0: What's going on guys, it's Danny from Fantasy Stock Exchange here, bringing you a video I've actually been really excited about releasing for the last little while, and uh, as you're seeing this, you guys have already seen on the channel, Corey actually released his must-draft breakout players, well I'm actually going to attack the opposite end of the spectrum, my must-void players for the 2020 NFL season, and uh, basically in this video, I'm just going to be going over guys that at their current ADP, quite simply, will absolutely not return value, I will bet a house on it to be quite honest and in general i i'm just not looking to have on any single one of my teams regardless even if they were a little cheaper to be quite uh to be perfectly uh honest with that but um yeah you guys you guys are gonna know right off the bat you're gonna see this title you're already gonna know players right on your head from watching this channel guys that we have absolutely harped on for the whole off season but today i'm just gonna outline those guys five guys that I believe are the biggest bust, biggest traps, biggest landmines of the 2020 NFL season. But before I do that, let's hit the intro. Okay. So, as I mentioned, again, to start this list off, I'm actually going to go with David Johnson, running back from the Houston Texans. So, his current ADP, according to the Fantasy Pros Best Ball, is RB20 or the 40th overall pick off the board. So, you're basically spending a, four, uh, a mid to early to mid fourth round pick on David Johnson. And quite simply, I mean, I've said this multiple times, but he is like the pinnacle of the inefficient. Volume is king. Oh, he's going to get a ton of volume. That's why you got to take him in this round. But quite simply, taking volume-dependent workload backs is not how you win in fantasy because quite simply, you're basically drafting them, to be honest, past like their ceiling is non-existent to begin with. But anyways, let me get in on why David Johnson is a bust. So overall, I mean, this is a guy that is widely debated across the fantasy football industry. You got some guys thinking that he's going to return to his quote-unquote 2016 uh, league winner type form and guys like me who are actually realistic who look at the possible traits of a guy who's actually diminishing as a player now if you actually break down uh the stats be a player profiler i'll actually have this on the screen for you guys it's just pretty pathetic how inefficient david johnson was as a runner last year yes you got the uh, receiving aspect of David Johnson, which is why he was going to be good in, in the beginning of the 2019 season. But as I'm going to break down later on, those targets are not going to be available for the Texans. But anyways, going through the actual rushing efficiency of David Johnson, he was 55th in the league in true yards per carry, 48th in yards created, 63rd in yards created per touch, 54th in abated tackles, and 36th in breakaway runway. Now, people may say, oh, although well, the Cardinals' offensive line is not the greatest – those are uh, metrics that actually uh, evaluate the runner himself and not like as opposed to the offensive line. So, again, true yards per carry is actually what the uh, running back did in comparison to what the actual uh, yards were blocked for, essentially. Yards created, I mean, plain and simple, he created those yards. So you guys understand that. 63rd and yards created per touch. Per touch, how many yards he actually created, they, they actually measure that on player profiler. Evaded tackles, just making guys miss. And 36 and breakaway runway, basically being able to break those big runs that we're looking for. All pathetic numbers. And actually, speaking of the Texans, you guys lo- love to point out, oh, well, Carl- they made Carlos Hyde a 1,000-yard rusher last year. David Johnson is much better than Carlos Hyde, plain and simple. If they fed Carlos Hyde, uh, DJ is a much better player. DJ will get a plenty of work. Well, as much as, much as people don't want to admit this, if you actually look at the stats for last year – Carlos Hyde was similarly efficient to David Johnson, actually providing more efficiency on the ground with David Johnson, obviously, as I mentioned, being superior to the air. I mean, if you're actually looking at the uh, two yards per carry of both backs, breakaway run rate, evaded tackles, and uh, in general, yards created per touch, he actually outranked David Johnson in those metrics. So overall, again, Carlos Hyde was the RB40 in PPR points per game last year and people are using him as an argument for taking David Johnson. Now, people are going to say, well, he's going to get the, the Carlos Hyde workload on the ground game while also having receiving value. That's not a guy you're going to be taking as the RB20 off the board at the four uh, in a uh, standard 12-team draft. That's just simply not worth it. You're taking basically a quote-unquote upgraded receiving uh, version of Carlos Hyde and you're making him your fourth overall selected player in fantasy football. That is just how you lose your league. So overall people point at that receiving chop. As I mentioned, I'm going to get into this. Uh, I'm actually going to get into it now. However, when you break down the numbers, Deshaun Watson in his career with the Texans throws to his running backs at a 17% rate, which is actually last or second last in the league over that timeframe. And last year specifically, the Texans running backs had a 15.3 target market share to the running back position, which was last in the league. And not to mention, they still have Duke Johnson who was actually last year's leader in targets out of the backfield still on the team. So, I mean, what is the true target upside for a guy like David Johnson? Because realistically for him to actually return value, he would need 80, 90, hundred type targets to actually dispute the inefficiencies on the ground game that he's going to be having for this year. That's just simply not going to be available for him because plain and simple, he's splitting with another capable receiving back, the league low in target percentage to the position. So ultimately, when, well, I don't expect this guy to finish as the RB40 like a Carlos Hyde, but I mean, plain and simple, you're taking this guy as an RB2 right now at the RB20, low in RB2, but still an RB2, top 20 back. Uh, while I do think he's going to probably figure more so into that 24 to 30 range based solely on workload. This is a guy that can only return you RB20 value as his ceiling, and you're drafting him basically at his ceiling at this current point. So overall, I mean, David Johnson is just simply a guy that, yes, he may have helped you, as you guys are going to find a theme throughout this video. Yes, he may have helped you win your 2016 championship, but he's simply not that player that he was back then, plain and simple. He doesn't have leak reading type upside. His ceiling is basically where you guys are taking him, and that's solely, solely based on – volume but anyways you guys have known my distaste for david johnson on this channel for the last little while let me get a while let me get into the second player on my bus video for today and that's actually going to be todd Gurley, running back from the atlanta falcons so again we've mentioned this guy a ton on the channel but his current adp is the rb 15 28th overall you're spending an early third round pick on this guy which is just disgusting to be quite honest. But again, as you guys know, we have talked about him multiple times, but let me just break into how inefficient he was as a runner last year. 48th in yards per touch, 42nd in breakaway run rate, 67th in yards created per touch, and people point out, whoa, Todd Gurley's actually a capable receiving back. He's actually a good receiving back, yada, yada, yada. Nine drops, which was worse amongst the position. I mean, he had a, he had a worse PFF receiving grade than freaking Kalen Balage. You guys know how bad Caleb Balage is. I mean, plain and simple. When Adam Gates is trying to train a seventh for him and he still fails his physical. Let me not get into Caleb Balage, but you guys know that by now. But just in general, when you're actually breaking down the situation of Gurley, he, to be quite honest, they didn't know his health when they signed him. He just passed his physical before the start of training camp. They didn't know what they were getting with him during the quarantine. They've gone on record to say. We don't know the actual health situation of Todd Gurley right now. On record, saying that. But if you're actually looking at it, what made Todd Gurley a relevant fantasy football player when he was breaking out? That 2017-2018 season, what made him that league winner, RB1 overall type player? Touchdowns. And if you're actually looking at it, just last year when he actually returned uh, RB14 value, uh, in PPR leagues last year, that was on 59 red zone touches, which ranked third in the league. And he ranked number one in 2017 and 18 with over 70. If you're actually looking at that, Devontae Freeman only vacates 50, uh, sorry, not 50, 25 red zone touches, which ranked 25th in the league last year, 59 for Gurley last year, 25 for what Devontae Freeman, uh, was able to do for you that, uh, last year. And you know what the difference there being? The Rams are one of the most run-committed teams in the red zone in the entire league. When you compare that to the Falcons, the Falcons are the number two team in pass-to-run split in the red zone at 63%. 102 pass attempts in the red zone last year. If you expect Gurley to have any sort of touchdown upside as similar to 2017, 2018, 2019, it's simply not going to be there on the Falcons. As we have said multiple times, Dirk Cutter is death to fantasy football running backs. Why is that the case? Because he throws the ball in the red zone. Guys like Julio Jones, Calvin Early, uh, Hayden Hurst are all going to get their targets in the red zone area, seemingly taking away from what you're going to be getting from Gurley. And that, to be honest, that touchdown dependency is why he was even relevant in 2019. Because this guy had double-digit touchdowns uh, in the rushing game. I believe he had 12 rushing touchdowns. He had 15 total touchdowns last year. That's simply not going to be available for him on Atlanta, plain and simple. He was an inefficient runner, as I mentioned, very inefficient in the receiving game, Worst receiving back in the entire league. And people just think, oh, well, the the Falcons have a lot of vacated targets. I've mentioned that multiple times in my video. You still have to be a capable receiver to demand targets. So overall, people that think that Todd really is going to walk into 70, 75, 80 targets for a guy, plain and simple, that was not playing at 100% last year, won't be playing at 100% this year. Uh, and generally, he's just not going to get that plain and simple. He may get 40, 50, but overall, this is still a guy that was the most inefficient receiver out of the backfield last year. So taking him with the hopes of having a touchdown scoring, receiving dominant back is simply not going to be the case. Now, the, I will put this on the screen for you guys. If you're actually looking at his efficiencies uh, in his 2017-18 season compared to his 2019 season, uh, there's actually a tweet from uh, Graham Barfield, a widely respected fantasy football analyst in the industry. Go follow him on Twitter. Very good follow-up. I mentioned him multiple times on the channel. But you guys can actually see this. So Todd Gurley's rushing success rate over the last three years. So in 2017, 56%. 2018, 58%. And last year... 44%, which was fourth worst among qualified running backs. And then when you take in that atrocious receiving game that I was mentioning, yards per route run, 2.14 in 2017, 1.36 in 2018. And then last year, you know what that fell to? 0.53, which was the worst among qualified running backs, plain and simple. This is just a guy that returned value based solely on the touchdowns last year. Solely. And to be quite honest, people say, oh, he's definitely going to be the workhorse. Report on Roto-World saying 15 to 25 touches. If this, the, I, I will bet my life this guy does not have 320 touches uh, next year, plain and simple. He cannot hold up. If he got, if he got a 20-touch per game pace over the first six or so weeks, he's going down, plain and simple. He's just not going to be able to stay in that level of success throughout a 16-game period. I mean – Plain and simple, this is still a guy that is coming off two knee injuries, that has arthritis in his knee, that was used sparingly in that regard last year. I mean, to put it simply, overall, Gurley may be looking as a quote-unquote bell cow, but I completely think that Brian Hill, Edo Smith are going to siphon some pass-catching work from him because, as I mentioned, the most inefficient receiving back out of the backfield in the NFL last year, so... Overall, these two backs may have won your league. 2016 was David Johnson's year. 2017 and Todd Gurley. They may have won your leagues back then. Do not take them in fantasy football this year because at their current ADP, you're basically getting them at their ceiling. So stay away from those two guys. The third guy on the list, another guy we have talked about extensively on the channel. That's actually going to be AJ Green, wide receiver from the Cincinnati Bengals. So his current ADP. It's just ludicrous, in my opinion. I mean, 70th overall, wide receiver 29. And uh, this is a guy that actually fits the mold of the first three, or the first two, sorry, in that they may have, they may have helped you win your leagues back in the day, but don't put all their stock into uh, their, their quote-unquote merit, their quote-unquote name, when in reality, 2020, the situation is completely different. So when you're actually breaking down the situation of A.J. Green, the first thing that people say AJ Green is that huge value wide receiver, one with upside. Uh, and it's just not true. I mean, people said the exact same last year, uh, same thing last year. How'd that work out for you? Huge value, right? Yeah, it didn't play the game. But, anyways, it's so bad to the point that he hasn't played a full season in, since 2017. And when you're actually breaking that down, in 2017, he was a first round pick. He had 143 targets. That's what you like to see. He only produced just over 1,000 yards and eight touchdowns with it, which is pretty pathetic for a guy that's getting 143 targets overall. If you're breaking down the 2017 efficiencies, as I mentioned, the target, target to yards ratio is not good. Uh, he is one of the most criticized players on Matt Harmon's reception perception. Matt Harmon cited his decline in 2017. Prior to it actually happening, so I mean, overall, you guys can see the efficiencies on the screen of that year. But to put it simply, they were not—they were not good at it whatsoever. I mean, quarterback rating when targeted, 63rd in the league at 81.2. Target separation, 1.36, which was 69th in the league. He was 40th in the league in drops. He had 0.46 uh, fantasy points per route, which was 15th for a guy that was getting a ton of. Uh, Overall volume in general, and then the one that really stands out to me in fantasy points per target, 1.6 fantasy points per target for a guy that's a quote unquote alpha top ten upside. He was 58th in the league, and you guys can see the other uh metrics on the screen right now. I mean, you got the you got the yards per target, you got the yards per passer. Everything is on there for you guys to see. But overall, we have the issues of him regressing as a player. Uh, evidenced by the massive drop-offs in efficiency. I mean, plain and simple. We're not talking about that 2013, 2014, 2015 A.J. Green where he was one of the top three or four wide receivers in the league. No, 2017, he saw a massive decline. People point out to 2018, oh, he, uh, he was decent that year. Well, guess what? Did he finish the season? Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. Anyways, this is a guy who is north of 30 years old that has played 10 games in the last two years and people still think that he has this so-on-so so, so, so top-ten upside. So overall, I'm actually going to cite a video for you guys to check out on uh, the additional worry of AJ Green, and that is the injury history of him. So uh, we actually had Dr. Edwin Porras of Fantasy Points join the channel to discuss ender receivers going into the 2020 NFL season and uh, what his thoughts are of the re-injury risk that they bring to the table when you're actually selecting them. So uh, make sure you go, uh, go check that out. But his exact words regarding AJ Green were – he can be healthy but the question is will he be productive that's difficult to say if you guys want to see the full breakdown of the injury history again I'll link it in the, in the description go watch that excellent video uh, you'll, you'll see the thumbnail actually on the screen as I'm talking right now but I mean plain and simple when you're actually evaluating AJ Green AJ Green is simply the draft uh, drop player that people convince themselves to take every single year because of the extreme upside he possesses again May, uh, maybe in 2016, you were getting that extreme upside. But I mean, he's following the trajectory, trajectory of other big-bodied stud wide receivers in the 2010s, a la Demaryius Thomas. And unfortunately, you can see I'm a Cowboys fan behind me, but my boy Des Bryant. Uh, going from years of being fantasy superstars to ultimately falling off the cliff. But don't fall for it this time. AJ Green is not going to be able to return value, plain and simple doesn't have that top 10 upside that people associate with and much much better pick is taking tyler to his actual teammate who's going after him right now so overall avoid aj green plain and simple don't do it but going into the fourth player of this breakout video we're actually going to be talking about a guy that the talent argument is actually made for constantly sorry let me just get a sip of water and that is actually Odell Beckham Jr., wide receiver from the Cleveland Browns. So he's currently going off the board as the wide receiver 12, the 29th overall pick in your draft. So basically going uh, as a mid-third rounder right now. So, I mean, overall, again, this has nothing to do with the talent of a guy like Odell Beckham. Again, when he when he was in his prime, when he was playing those years with the Giants, he was a top two, top three overall wide receiver in the league. I mean, there is no question about it. And – in my opinion, he just simply won't be able to regain his status this year. Why? Because of volume. Then that, that, that's simply how it's going to be. So overall, the severity of just how bad Beckham's situation is really begs the question of what is a realistic range of outcomes for him in this offense. So if you're breaking down the splits, Kevin Stefanski in 2019 with the Vikings, he had a 51.7% pass around split. So he basically threw the ball, 51.7% of all plays. The Browns last year, 59.6. Not to mention, you're adding in a high-volume tight end in Austin Hooper to a Stefanski offense that ran the second most well personnel, as you guys can see on the screen, in the entire league last year at 34% of uh, total offensive plays. So that was actually only behind the Philadelphia Eagles, oddly enough. Now, what does it mean by having more tight ends on the field? Well, plain and simple, they're going to siphon targets away from the receiving core, siphon targets away from a guy like Odell Beckham Jr. So, when you're actually breaking down the overall volume of the Minnesota Vikings last year, again, the passing numbers for the Vikings just last season, they threw the ball 466 times. And their team target market share amongst the wide receiver position was fourth lowest in the entire league at 47%. And their leading wide receiver target being Stefan Diggs, another great, talented receiver like an Odell Beckham Jr. had 94 targets in a year that Adam Thielen only suited up for 10 games and received 48 targets. Keep that in mind. 10 games for another stud receiver, an Adam Thielen, 48 targets. What does that remind you? Well, Odell Beckham would be kind of like uh, Stefan Diggs. Jarvis Landry would kind of be in the Adam Thielen role. Not a lot of targets to go around overall, plain and simple. If you're ending up with 94 targets in a 16-game pace, that's just simply not enough to be able to return that top 10, top 12 value, and you're taking him as a 12th receiver off the board. So well, when comparing the situation for Stavansky uh, going to Cleveland, why exactly would his t- tendencies change going to Cleveland? Again, the main reason why he had that type of offense in Minnesota, again, uh, 51.7% pass-to-run ratio, which was one of the, uh, the lowest in the league, He had Dalvin Cook and Alex Madison at running back in a uh, heavy run scheme uh, for last year for the Minnesota Vikings. What is similar to the uh, Browns? They have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. They drafted a top tackle in the draft in Jedrick Wills, and they signed a run-dominant right tackle in Jack Conklin in free agency. Their offense is built to pound the rock and to Stefanski's successes he experienced in Minnesota. I mean, you couple that with, uh, with low overall receiving volume, as I mentioned, the battle for targets between guys like Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham, Austin Cooper, Kareem Hunt, David Njoku. Uh, it, we could very well see a similar volume output in terms of targets to what Stefan Diggs had to endure last season. Not bad. I mean, wide receiver 24 PPR finish with a wide receiver 25 point per game clip, but definitely not a guy you want to be selecting in the third round of your drafts. So if you're actually going to break down the situation of Diggs to even return value there... Even getting to those numbers was actually a feat for Diggs because if you broke down the efficiency, sixth in yards per reception, third in yards per target, fourth in yards per pass throw, and first in uh, quality rating, which basically equates to he, the, you had a very efficient and a wide receiver and quarterback play, and that's something that the Browns actually lacked in both regards last season. So overall, trying to project a wide receiver that's coming off a wide receiver twenty-nine finish just last season to be the eleventh or twelfth, sorry, ranked. Uh, in his current ECR is just baffling to me considering the options presenting much less risk uh, that are going after him. I mean, you can get guys like Robert Woods, Adam Thielen. I mentioned that uh, Adam Thielen is losing Stefanski, losing Diggs, he's going to be fine. Adam Thielen, Alan Robinson, guys like that that are going after him that present so much less risk. So again, this is one that could prove me wrong. Again, Odell Beckham Jr., when healthy, is a very, very talented wide receiver. That is not what's under discussion today. It's simply the volume of the situation that I'm extremely worried with for the Browns this year. But again, wide receiver 12 is simply too steep of a price given that situation. But again, we're going to be going into the final bust player of the 2020 NFL season. And that is going to be Aaron Rodgers, quarterback from the Green Bay Packers. He's currently going off the board as the quarterback 12 or the 109th player overall. So. Again, 2019, Aaron Rodgers finished 14th in points per game with an average of 17.65 points per game uh, at the quarterback position So, If you're actually looking at the situation from an NFL standpoint, he showed decline in both uh, play and overall turn uh, in uh, offensive philosophy last year. So you're actually breaking it down. Again, the 2018 pass to run split for the Green Bay Packers was 67.54% under Mike McCarthy and fell under... 60% 60% to when they switched to Matt Littler. But overall, instead of going out this offseason to help and commit uh, to Aaron Rodgers, they simply instead, in the draft, I still don't understand what they were doing here. They solidified their attack as a run-dominant team, drafting an H-back in Josiah Deguara and a running back Beast, Mammoth, and A.J. Dillon, both on day two. And not selecting a single wide receiver in one of the deepest, most talented wide receiver draft classes in years. So, I mean, I don't know what's going on in the front office there. But that, that just completely impacts a guy like Aaron Rodgers' potential ceiling for the season. So, yeah, people are still frequently drafting him. As the guy who was a quarterback one in 2016 and a fancy superstar uh, for many years between 2009 and 2016. However, banging on that type of upside is foolish because, again, he's simply not that player that he once was. And again, it's unfortunate to say that because at his peak, he was a top six or seven quarterback of all time. But the, the quote unquote upside that people associate with the name of Aaron Rodgers is simply non-existent. He has not been the same player since that 2016 season. He missed nine games in 2017. And in 2018, when they had a sixty-seven point five four percent pass, lead, as I mentioned, which led the league, he was only ninth in points per game. Like, that that type of volume is simply not going to be there this year. And yet, when he did get the volume, his ceiling was only three spots higher than where he's being drafted right now. I mean, in 2018 especially, he was being selected, or 2019 especially, so he was being selected as a top three quarterback. Well, how did he return that value? He was a quarterback 14 on points per game. So if you're actually breaking down the actual advanced passing metrics of his 2019 performance, compared to the uh, MVP-level Aaron Rodgers that we saw in 2016. I mean, the disparity is just quite simply disgusting to look at, but I will show you guys that on the screen. So in 2019, he ranked 23rd league-wide and completed air yards per completion at 5.6. He ranked 26th league-wide and completed air yards per attempt at 3.5. His bad throw percentage at 21.2% was actually the worst in the league, and his on-target percentage, 74.7%, ranked Dead, dead mediocre, dead average at 16th in the league. And when you're breaking down other metrics such as QBR, DVOA, and DYAR, he actually ranked 20th league-wide in QBR at 50.4, 13th in DVOA at 9%, and 8th in DYAR at 7.94. So overall, comparing those efficiencies to uh, what he did when he was actually on his peak doing well, well, he is 20th league-wide QBR in 2019 was actually fourth league-wide in QBR, 72.4 in 2016, eighth in DVOA at 18.7%, and sixth in DYAR at 1,279. So again, you're going from fourth to 20th, eighth to 13th, and sixth to eighth, all declining in those regards from actual people that uh, measure those metrics. But overall, those efficiency metrics are drastic. I mean, he's he's a fine quarterback too. You want to Get him out of value and you're picking a super flex. You take a quarterback two later on. If he was like quarterback 15, 16, maybe off the board, you want a floor guy? Okay, I understand that. But I mean, in general, he's just not going to return quarterback one value, top 12 value where you're actually currently taking him. Again, when you're looking at the numbers with Mike McCarthy as his head coach, uh, he was at 63% pass to run split during that whole tenure. In 2016, for example, Green Bay ranked second overall in passive run split at 65% and third in red zone passive run split at 67%. Means you guys can see on the screen compared to last year, those values dropped 16th league wide at 60% and 11th in red zone passive run split at 57%. Both of them dropping pretty significantly compared to the second and third rank going to the 16th and 11th rank. So, I mean, you guys can see that all on the screen. You'll, you'll know what I'm talking about, but. Overall, then you also combine that with a clear decline in actual rushing production. Again, it makes sense. The guy is getting older. The guy has been through injuries. He doesn't want to take off and run as much. That is fine. However, in fantasy football, we are looking for that type of rushing upside if you simply don't present an elite level of passing upside. Again, in 2016, he had 67 rushing attempts for 369 rushing yards and four rushing touchdowns. Last year, those totals dropped to 46 attempts for 183 rushing yards and one rushing touchdown. And he ranked 14th in the league in rushing attempts and 16th in the league in rushing yards. So, again, while I acknowledge that the majority of the fantasy community isn't taking him with those types of expectations, you're not expecting him to finish as quarterback one, I'm perfectly fine uh, with with you guys making that argument. However, I just don't see overall top eight upside, period. Again, I mentioned 2018, he led the league in pass the run split with Green Bay. Ninth in fantasy points per game. So overall, again, drafting high-profile names with low ceilings, to be honest, is just a seemingly low floor in general as well. I mean, a bunch of these guys, as I mentioned, have lower floors than a lot of the guys going in their area. I mean, that's just how you lose in fantasy football. You're looking at a guy like Aaron Rodgers. Just look at it from a broad view. Green Bay has, what, Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones? What else do they have on offense to actually supplement a good Aaron Rodgers breakout finish? Because plain and simple, when he was doing it in Green Bay in his heyday, he had guys like Jordy Nelson, Donald Driver, Randall Cobb, guys like that, Greg Jennings, that were actual good contributors on the outside. Plain and simple, I will just have no shares of this guy in Aaron Rodgers. Because quite simply, this is a situation that has a, as I mentioned, low floor with a low ceiling mix. And those are the type of picks in fantasy football that are literally going to lose you leagues. But overall, breaking down all five of these guys – what do they all have in common? They were all household top names in the 2015, 2016, 2017 area that simply are not the same player anymore. But because they were such elite fantasy football superstars back then, people are still going to give them the respect that they don't deserve uh, and take them higher than they deserve to be. Again, I could be wrong with the guy like Odell because of talent, but the situation and the volume makes no sense overall. But, anyways. Uh, As you guys will have seen already, we went through David Johnson as the first bus candidate, Todd Gurley as the second, AJ Green as the third, Odell Beckham Jr. as the fourth, and finally wrapping it up with Aaron Rodgers as the fifth bus candidate. So if you've made it this far in the video, I hope you guys have enjoyed so far. Comment down below what you guys think. I know this is going to be a widely uh, debated video in the comments. A lot of you guys are going to be in there saying, oh, I, I believe in David Johnson or something like that. Feel free to comment whatever. Keep it civil. I will reply to you guys. And if there's anything in the video that I didn't cover, I will happily respond to you guys in the comments about that. Make sure if you enjoyed the video, go click the like button. It helps us a lot, it helps us get in the algorithm for YouTube. And hit that subscribe button because over this last month, again, I believe we're at an 83% not subscribed to subscribe rate in terms of people who are actually viewing our videos. So if you guys are enjoying the content and you're watching the <coughs> sorry and you're watching the videos right now just hit that sub button. It doesn't hurt. We're trying to grow this channel. We're coming at you with uh, consistent daily content. So hope you guys enjoyed. This is Danny from the Fantasy Socks Change here bringing you his biggest bust. Peace out, y'all.